Welcome to episode 13 of the Talk Tonight podcast. It really is great to be back. Had a lovely Christmas break, nice and chilled. And here we are again in lockdown. So we'll be bringing you a lot more podcasts over the next uh, few months. This one was with Lucy Sprague and she was wonderful. We sat down before Christmas and had a chat about her new album. And also touring and staying fit and staying focused and looking after your well-being. You just heard a clip of her, one of her singles that she's had out called Sober. She's got a new single called Animals that is coming out and or is out now to listen to. And the album is coming out in February called Choices. So sit back, relax and enjoy my chat with Lucy Spragan. Welcome to the Talk Tonight podcast. We are now on season two, episode 13 altogether now. It's been fantastic. Thank you for all the responses from the last podcast. This podcast is going to be a cracker. It's one of my favourite artists at the moment and she's joining me now. Lucy, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Um, We're hoping that we're coming maybe to the end of this uh, COVID-19. I don't know. There seems to be a bit of hope this week. So it's a good question to ask. I always start it on all the podcasts. Just how are you feeling about this year and how's it, you know, how's it been for you? I think uh, it could have gone one of two ways for me, which is like very down or very up. And for me, I feel like it's been more up. well, my industry is at a complete standstill, which sucks, but it's given me a lot of time to work on myself, which is something that I haven't really ever done. So, yeah, in that respect, it's been all right. What about you? Yeah, uh, well, we've had a um, a big change this year. Well, just in three weeks' time, it'll be a year, but we've had our, our new daughter, Robin, joined us just before all this. And um, I've got a six-year-old as well who's... who's been going back to school and in the midst of all this and you know teachers getting covid and stuff it's been just a crazy year and i've been working from home my wife's on maternity yeah so it's been a huge like same as similar to you lots of changes and just lots of time to think about life and what's important again so it really has just been you know a good year in some ways but really mentally sort of tough in others and just try to find strength to get through you know, each day uh, I suffer from a lot of anxiety, which we can, we'll touch on a little bit. So it's been dealing with that as well. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of come to the surface this year and, and actually brings me into a, a really nice link, actually. I'm quite chuffed with this now. Talking about your brand new song, um, which has been out, obviously, maybe three or four weeks now, but Sober, I mean, wow, what, what a song. It's just... Something that's happened to me recently from summer is um, kind of similar path to you, Lucy, is that I've kind of looked at the whole alcohol and having some bad times of it and just want to read you something from your song. I don't want to kind of make you embarrassed, but it says, Sun, Sunrise guilt and sun, sunset, uh, sunset shame. Wish I could move and change my name. I'd like some nights I know I won't forget. Just like... When I heard your song when it came came out and I got to hear it for the first time, it just stopped me in my tracks. And I know you've probably had a lot of feedback about the song and the video as well, which is just beautiful and you know very brave to kind of put yourself out there. What do you, what does that song mean to you this year? And in terms of what you went through and 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 how was it putting it out to the world? Were you really was it a nerve wracking experience? I think like I'm nearly sixteen months sober, so it's it's 
now at the time that I've released it it's not as daunting for me it's not it's not I'm not worried about it now like I'm not scared I'm quite comfortable in my sobriety I guess whereas I wrote it like the week that I got sober where all of those emotions were really fresh wow (laughs) and like I wanted to write it then because I needed to document exactly how that felt and the reasons why I was doing it like I wanted to be better and and I knew that alcohol was for me like the catalyst that was holding me back in so many senses so I I guess putting it out there for me was like affirming kind of telling people yeah this is this is me this is me now and what has it been like seeing the reaction from your you've got a loyal diehard fan base out there but even some new people coming across your music how has it been the response to the song well, I think that's that's an amazing thing is that sobriety and alcohol and alcoholism affects everyone. Like, it doesn't need to be directly you or first person. It could be your parents, your brothers, your, you know what I mean? And so many people got in touch independently from the music. They said, oh, we love, I love the song um, and it really resonated with me. I've not heard of you before, but, you know, this really, I can really relate to it or... That, that sort of thing is amazing. That's um, a branch of, of creating and a branch of music that is a real honour. I think um, I think what we've seen as well, as I touched on it there, the, the video, you know, I know, let's go back maybe just quickly to the song when you wrote the song, you said you, said you wrote it at that time. See, when you play the song back, just maybe I, I do this as well, I, I put it on voice memos, I don't know if you do the same, and then you listen yeah. to it back a couple of days later. How did it, did it feel when you wrote that song really emotional listening back to the early demos of it and did you feel that like this could be a really really big moment for me yeah i i remember being like pretty emotional listening to it and and sometimes thinking like oh god this this makes me want to cry and like i showed it to a lot of sober friends who were like this is exactly how i feel and it made them a bit weepy as well so uh, to, to a degree, all, all of my songs make me emotional to some capacity because they're, they're like a diary. Yeah, they're, they're personal to you. And that's what I think love, people loved about uh, all, all your music, really. It, like some of the stuff you've done, I've really related to it and just the words that you speak, but like obviously talking about your latest song that's come out, it, it just really, like I said, stopped me in my tracks and I just wanted to get your thought on Sort of, I know you you talked about it recently in a lot of interviews and stuff about the alcohol issue and how a lot of young people listen to the podcast and I always try and give some advice out there. What would you say to young people that maybe rely on, and, and this is me talking as a young person, well, when I was a young person, relying on alcohol to feel like you need to have alcohol to have a good time. I, I, how do you, how would you say that, you know, to a young person that's going through that? I think the best analogy for that is whatever circumstance it is, right? Here's here's how I think of it. When you go to a party, a rubbish party with rubbish company, it happens, yeah? Yeah. And when you're sober, you leave and you go and find something better to do. But when you're drunk or when you're drinking, a rubbish party becomes not that rubbish. And that doesn't mean that the party is any better. It just means that you needed something to make it better. And the, the thing is, you have a choice. So you can you can not drink and go and find something better. Go and find something that you enjoy and find people that excite you and 
offer you friendship and knowledge and and the kind of people you can open up to without being pissed yeah and it's a choice it's a choice that you can make and and it's hard because when you're younger there's a lot of pressure to what else doing and actually i feel like sobriety comes with maturity uh, if you make the decision to do it yourself if it's an independent decision and maturity you can't force so um i guess you just have to wait till you arrive at that platform yeah um, and, then, and then jump off the train really i think i found that as well as just like maybe had to go through all the stuff to get to you know where, where you found yourself getting to that point where your realization is like i've i'm enough on my own i like there was a lot of pressure when i was young to be like, oh, you're just oh you're staying in oh just like you're a bore and and, and it was a lot of mental health issues at that time just getting really down that i wasn't enough to be like out at a party and not have to feel like i was the only one not drinking but i think over the summer i had a couple of nights and in the days after it was like the you talked about it in your songs and some of your interviews recently as well about just like the losing days after it and losing like maybe up to like three or four days try to recover from the like the either the depression or the physicality sort of how you felt after drinking as well and you said in, a, in an interview i seen that you would spend a lot of time your head down the toilet and things and like it's just like to come on to just link in again to your, your fully rewired that i've been looking at and reading about and how has that how has that helped you just kind of get your mental toughness together and change your mindset on how you live your life well i didn't um I didn't realize that I was like embarking on this massive transformational journey that fitness and sobriety were involved in. It just kind of happened. And so I started losing weight because I'd stopped drinking. Um, like weight literally fell off me because, you know, alcohol is calorific and, and that's just, that's how your body works. And, and then without the alcohol like so alcohol and drugs or whatever they offer you endorphins they offer you you know oxytocin dopamine it's like a hit and so i think my body was like wait a minute i need some of that <laughs> so i started doing a bit more fitness and, and more just fitness that i enjoy so i started liking running which is totally weird um and Fully Rewired is my fitness program. It's 23 quid for six weeks. It's not expensive or anything. It's just my experiences rolled into a professional sort of how-to, how to do what I did. And like, I'm not saying that everybody can do it because you can't. It's like when you, when you arrive at that platform, you can't just jump into wanting to transform your whole life. It doesn't work like that. But at the same time, you don't have to hit rock bottom to to want to develop yourself and fully rewired is trying to teach people that do you, do you think there's a big bit of part of like your, your experience and fully rewired that uh, is a lot of you know it's got to be about that you want to do it as well you want to make that change and it like you know people say oh just get up and start doing exercise and do this but you've got to want it yourself how, how big a part of that was uh, in your decision to kind of change your lifestyle it, it's uh, it depends what you want because like, I wanted to be better. I wanted to be better listener. I wanted to be kinder. I wanted to be a better friend. I wanted to be more focused and more productive. So 
the removal of certain bad habits and the implementation of good habits was really important to me. So it wasn't like, right, that's it. I'm changing my life. It was like a real steep learning process of, oh, okay, right. I need to, I need to now do this every day to make sure that that becomes part of my routine. Um, and that's that. That really is all it takes is to change your routine. But I say all it takes. It's really hard. Yeah, I I've, I think about it as well. Being younger and like you start losing. I think you start losing things that you love when you get out of control with alcohol and well I my experience anyway that and you lose sort of relationships that you you, you loved you know friends and things and you can get in really dark places to, so, so to see your journey I, I thought was really inspirational for a lot of young people especially in Scotland you know going through this pandemic and seeing your journey I, I love your posts that you put out as well on Instagram you're so and I know that you've mentioned that you get a lot of messages back and forth through, you know, privately or, or on online. How has that um, developed, you know, how's that been for you really? Just that's a, the question I wanted to ask. Just how has that been dealing with negative and positive and, and do you try and brush it, as, brush it off as much as you can? Um, well, it's like two sides of a very shiny coin, isn't it? It's like one side I get to communicate with all these people who are saying such amazing things and it, everyone's so kind and lovely. And and then on the flip side, there are people who are ultimately really unhappy with themselves and they're bored and they're in a shit place. And that's the only way that you can explain why somebody would be so horrible. And I think once you understand that, you just have to kind of cancel it out. Like, it's a shame, but I don't check my message requests anymore because I was sick of seeing horrible stuff, really. And somebody else, I pay somebody else to manage that side of my social media, which is a shame, but what costs more, my mental health or a social media manager? Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I think as I well, really it's so easy, isn't it, for price. someone just to... It's so easy and accessible for everyone these days just to say, right, the negative comes in. It's like a culture as well. It's like, well, just be negative. It's easier to be negative, you know, than, you know, like, I just, I don't get it why people, like you say, I think it is, you know, you're right about their being maybe unhappy in their, their own life. But, you know, yeah. Well, we're surrounded by it. Like our, our media, the media, the way the media treat people in this country is not the same in any other country. So you would imagine that, certain newspapers that most people despise the way they report on people and and the negative connotations that they attach to celebrities and sports people you you would imagine that that is a global thing but it really isn't so for example you know when um william and um oh bloody hell Kate. um uh, not william and kate harry and megan harry, harry and megan <laughs> I'm really not that big on the on the on the royal knowledge, but so so Meghan Markle, like she, she didn't understand what she was getting herself into because America just it, it doesn't have this teardown culture. Yeah, it doesn't have it. So when it, when it happened to her, she was completely thrown because because she didn't understand it because that's not how America works, and people think it is, but it's not. This is this united country. United Nations, sorry, that has this awful, awful 
tear down culture. And no wonder people are negative because it's all we see. It's all we see. Like reality TV shows, they get people on there with quite blatant mental health issues. And we laugh at them on national television. Yeah, I've seen a few that I had switched off from. The, uh, I, I, you know, it was I, I. I don't even know what channel it was on, but it was like the undateables, like laughing about you know, people with disabilities making a program out of them and their struggles with dating and things like that. It was just really like insensitive. And and then the the biggest one I've seen recently, I, I say I've kept away from it a lot as well, was mostly Caroline Flack, which is still one of the saddest things I've ever kind of. I got caught up in the story of just finding out what was going on, like most people do. But it was just so sad the way they treated her. And then, like, should they be held accountable for, you know, in court as well for part of the, you know, she lost her life. She she felt like she couldn't go on. I mean, just, uh, yeah, I think you're totally right. I think there has to be some, for young people, I've been talking about it on the podcast, is like getting a lot of tools. Can we get something together through the government or through these organisations out there? Especially there's quite a good, good few in Scotland that can maybe give the tools to young people at school and let them... You know, do a program about fitness, diet, but also about mental health and how you deal with, you know, situations and and if you are going to be like an actor or actress or in the public eye, how to deal with that. Did you get that at all? I know we're going to come on to uh, X Factor because uh, such a big part of your life. But did you get anything through back then through X Factor about how to deal with things? No, uh, quite the opposite. Actually, I kind of feel like the the. The, their prerogative was to cause as much fuss about the show as possible and whether that was based on detrimental stuff for, for the contestants or not it didn't really matter um no there was no there was there was nothing no help that's that's scary i don't know hopefully they, they've learned a lot from to their past and maybe changes it because there's a lot of young people rely on these for exposure and you know, getting themselves out there. So, but we'll come on to that. I just wanted to rewind a little bit because we talked about sober. But tell us about your new record that's coming out soon. It's been, well, I think what was it, two thousand seventeen? Was uh, I hope you don't mind me writing. So, what can we expect from this new record? Tell us all about it, Lucy. Oh, well, we missed one as well. There was one in two thousand and. Uh, oh, today uh, was a good day. I forgot today. Yeah. Oh my god. You did have another album. You've been you're so prolific though. I'm trying to keep up with your all your. I just your albums. yeah, I keep writing songs. I don't stop. But um, the new record is like, so people say on the sixth record is the hardest uh, because you kind of naturally want to deviate. And I spent a lot of time making the same kind of music, and I felt with this record I had like a new lease of life. It's got a properly new attitude to it. it it's very me. But it's very different. So, when you look back at like your sort of early stuff in the in the songs that you had on, which was a massive like hit when you went on X Factor, how has your songwriting changed in terms of not maybe what you're writing about because I think you're always very honest and personal, but how has your songwriting changed in terms of structure and how you write your songs? Is it? I've spoke to a lot of people. We had. Um, Catherine Popper, who was on a few other uh, a few weeks ago, from she's in uh, a few bands with uh, Nora Jones and, and things like that, and she says she writes through the night and it just hits her. Like, what's your style? How do you kind of come up with your songs? It's always been the same, really. They just arrive, they just appear. Everyone like, says that, don't they? It just appears in the sky. <laughs> it's just. I always say, like, I don't know what people do with their emotions if they don't write songs. Or where does it go? Because mine just goes on a piece of paper. 
it's, it's crazy how like um, somebody says like just in the middle they'll wake up in the middle of the night and they'll just have this idea in their head and you have to go and record it straight away to remember it and and is this true Lucy I've always wanted to ask is the best songs the quicker ones or is it can it be the longer one? So people say, you know, you write a song in 20 minutes, the words come, you know, the lyrics, everything, the melody. Is that is that the, the best route to a good song? Uh, I think the quickest ones are the best ones. And the reason for that is, like most creative things, if you overthink it, you've, you've, you've kind of messed it up. It's like art. I do a bit of painting as well, like abstract stuff. I'll paint something and I'll be like, that's cool. I should leave it now. And then I keep going and keep going and keep going, and then I hate it. <laughs> That's what I do when I do demos. I, 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 oh, I really like that. And then I'll go back on voice memos a couple of days later and go, that is the worst song I've ever heard in my life. But it's, it's, that is that constant battle with songwriters, isn't it? To know, to let it be and say, look, that could be good. Once you bring in a band, once you bring in some different things around the song, because sometimes if it's just you and acoustic guitar... I find I write a lot of stuff off and go, that isn't good. But then you come back to it maybe in a year in your book and think, actually, that was all right. But is it about giving yourself a bit of an easier time than being too hard on yourself? How do you kind of work with that? Are you quite hard on yourself? Um, I think I'm just quite real. So like, I'll hear something and if it's not good enough, it's not good enough. I just know it isn't. <laughs> That's that's the, I, that's the best way to be, I suppose. Just say it. I think I think it's just the truth. And like, if I'm in a session that's not going very well, I'll just say, guys, this this isn't working. So I'm out. <laughs> I can't really be asked. Um, and and I think that's a really good thing to learn. Just be, having that feeling, just that everything's you know, if it's not right for you, then just make a change. That's a, that's a good a good way to feel. And then you eventually you maybe get to that point where you want to go. What about when can we expect the album? I know there's so you've just announced the socially distant tour, and then all the chain, all the rules came in. What where are we at the moment with the tour and the, and the release of the album? Do you know anymore? Well, the album tour was moved. The, the album announced, sorry, the album release was moved from the October the sixteenth to February the twenty sixth, and then the subsequent album tour, which was a big one, I think it was Glasgow. Uh, it's not the Barrowlands this time. Um, was it the O2? I'm not sure. But that has been moved to April. So the socially distanced tour that we put in was just kind of for fun, but we don't know whether that'll go ahead now. What's your thoughts? Uh, I've spoke to quite a few people over the last few weeks for the podcast, and I, I've always wanted just to keep the question flowing and keep the topic on basically live at the moment so everyone's talking about it how, how do you feel about uh, you don't have to get too political you see but the government in terms of where we are with theatres events gigs I don't ever want to pay tax again and that's not a joke like I don't ever want to pay that again I don't want to contribute to a government that quite frankly doesn't give a shit about me or the people I employ or the industry that I'm in, the industry that this, the whole world relies on. Like for three months, we were locked down, watching nothing but Netflix, listening to nothing but music, and I, 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 it really, it really, really has annoyed me. And um, I know we're not essential to a degree, but I, you know. It, a world without music, a world without entertainment or creative arts is a very, very sad one. That, that's what I was saying, Lucy, to 
a few of the podcast guests is how can they come out and say that you know it's not viable it's not like like we don't need it as much as the other things like if you go to a gig you're getting for me if I was coming to see you I'd be getting the train into Glasgow I'd book in a hotel not everyone would but you'd be going for a meal maybe you would have a drink or two with your friends you'd come in you'd buy the merch you know you'd listen to me so all these people there's people that are working across the board you know that lie on music don't forget that there's 12 people on my tour bus there's 15 people in a venue security door yeah. staff there's um, there's uh, stage hands like it's a huge economy it, and, and it's not just it's not just the record selling economy the live economy i can turn over 300 400 grand from a from a tour and that's not profit but that's money that's going in and out and that's just me yeah for a month of 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 you know it costs a lot of money to do it costs and and that's paying people you know yeah it's it's keeping an economy flowing and i just think it's disgusting you know what the government offered me um as help tell me a a 50 grand loan which is a loan it's not help so they want it back (laughs) yeah frightening i've we've seen it across i've got friends and music industry some have been lucky and some have been able to still do stuff and they've been doing a lot of live stream stuff how do you feel about the i know that from you know seeing your performances and things like that, you're all about you know interaction with the crowd and, and things like that but how do you feel about live streams do you, would you still figure think you could I've, do that i've i've bided my time on live streams because I didn't want to just do loads and loads and loads of them and like that for them to be subpar. My plan is to do my first live stream show and make it a, a, a show. It's something you watch and you like enjoy and it's visually pleasing and like, like my live show, it's like we have something really engaging and I didn't just want to, my issue is I don't want to exploit people that are also having a shit time. Yeah, yeah. And so I want to if it, if I'm going to do a live stream, I'm going to do something great. I think that um there has been a lot. I seen one the other day, it was the the guy for One Direction, well he wasn't One Direction, I can't remember his name, but he did one Niall Horan. Niall 125,000 people bought that stream and then that's money that's went in to help his staff and his crew but also other staff and crew. I think they've set up a sort of a kind of charity or something to help all those staff that are sitting with hardly any help it's just you know for people that are self-employed i don't know what the government have offered and it's been very minimal my sister's self-employed and she's been offered you know just a couple of grants but she's had to go on to universal credit just to pay her rent um so it's been you know just a crazy time let's hope that all that well we're hopefully looking at a vaccine soon and we can get back to some sort of normality eventually because i'm missing my gigs i know you'll be missing your gigs lucy i'm missing my gigs coming out and that life-changing moment of seeing someone that you admire singing and being passionate about what they do because you go away and then young people especially at the gigs and older people as well they start believing in themselves again i know i've been at plenty of gigs but i've come away i went away to see uh Liam Gallagher last year, Lucy, and I come away thinking I was a rock star. I was coming home like with, <laughs> I was strutting up the road, going right. I'm going to do this tomorrow. I'm going to do that, and it does. It's it sounds cheesy, but it gives you, you come away with confidence, and you singing your songs could. I know it sounds like you know, but you one of your songs singing live could change someone's life. I know it sounds really dramatic, but 
you must get that feedback. Uh, that's, that's what I. That's what I want. That's that's the goal. You know. Yeah, that's what it's all about. So, kind of coming on to that, I know we've talked a lot about sort of mental health and things like that, but I think we're in a, a mental health pandemic, and that was before COVID. What would be your advice to any young person maybe struggling right now? It's a huge thing in Scotland. I don't know where we are in England. We've I've done a lot of work up here around trying to educate young people, but what would your your advice to be anybody at a young age in their teenage years struggling with any mental health or anything around their mental health? I would just say that, like, be sure to give yourself time. Like, at the moment, stress is everywhere and there are so many people... I'm guilty of it, you know? You might see me on Instagram, I've just run a half marathon or, you know, I've done this, I've done that. It's, like, behind that, which I try to be quite honest about on social media, is... You know, for every good day, there's six really bad ones. Yeah. And just just remember that they're a natural part of, of life. And this life at the moment is unprecedented. So just give yourself time and uh, don't feel pressured. I think it's, I've seen her walk through CBT work that it's about just allowing those ups and downs to happen and then trying to learn from them and just accept that life is going to be up and down and not getting that and my problem was always that it was the end of the world when something went wrong and oh well, what's the point of doing anything else so it's trying to readdress the mindset so trying to do a lot of work with young people through my, my day job as well and stuff so that's really good advice and in terms of young people coming into the business which is to obviously change this year a lot but what would you say to a young person um, coming through, um, you know, wanting to be a musician or you know an actress, an actor, or doing anything like that with stage and screen? What, what would you say to them about what would be the best bit of advice you could give them? I know you managed to go through X Factor process, but would you say that, or would you say just keep touring and singing? No, I just say like believe in yourself and try to get a team of people that believe in your, you as much as you do, and that's really important. Um, and just be perseverant. Don't let don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it because that's that is the biggest thing you're gonna come up against. So we go back a little bit in time because we me and my wife watched it um last week just when we went, well when we knew you were coming on to have a chat, we went and had a look at your audition. I hope you don't mind having a look back at it. How do you feel about all that now? You know you touched on it earlier saying about there was a lack of sort of support, but how do you feel now looking back at X Factor and I know that you you kind of you had to come out of the the, the X Factor situation. Uh, you didn't do the shows, or you didn't do the full sh- set of shows. I think from what I've seen. How do you feel about looking back on it now uh, in terms of your career? Um, it's it was a part of my career. It was a very long time ago, but you know, it, it is what it is. Um, and I I can't say whether I'd have done stuff differently or not because I chose this route. So. You know it, what? It was an experience. You know what stood out for me about it was the emotion, and I think this is why, you know, like you say, you have no regrets. You look at it, but I think it was such a good thing for you because the emotion that you showed on stage when the audience reacted to your song that you had wrote, like it wasn't some song that you'd been given. Uh, you know, you wrote that song, and to see the audience react to what you performed and what you did and what you worked on, that for me was just huge like to see your I know you were really emotional on stage and it really kind of got to you but that must have gave you so much to say this is what I want to do and this is where I'm going and like that that really stood out for me that's kind of what people liked was the it, it was a real validating moment for me and you could see that that, that was the truth in that 
it was just it was beautiful. So is let's get on to a little bit of uh, sort of lighter stuff. We've really talked about a lot. I have got I have got to tell you that in my diary I've got another phoner coming in at half past. So we'll keep going until that comes in. Oh right. Oh sorry, I didn't know that. I wasn't made aware. So that's cool. Sorry. We'll then we right. can. Peace. We can do that. So uh, just it's, to tell it's, only the, it's only the daily sport anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about the daily sport. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll get on just a quick, last few things. Uh, Lucy, is there, I know this might put you on the spot, but is there a record that has changed you and how you thought about songwriting all your life? Is there, I know there might be a lot of them, but is there anyone that stands out for you? You can tell us about Yeah, uh, Don McLean. Oh, I don't know which album it is. Uh... He has many. <laughs> It's the one that's got like um, Starry Starry Night and American Pie. I don't know if that was American Pie, was it? It was the same album. I don't know, but Don McLean is like the most uh, incredible writer, I think. What did it do for your life in terms of like how you song, how you did songwriting, or was it just it just wanted you to I get just into feel music? Like he's he's like metaphorical, but not like the way that he spoke. If you listen to his music, he was talking about mental health in his music in uh, like in a time when nobody talked about it and and i think that that had a big influence on me brilliant brilliant and what about people coming through at the moment is there anyone you can tell the listeners about that you're excited about and maybe they'll be supporting you on tour or who, who are you listening to at the moment i love a band called the dunwells and um those guys are my absolute favorite people um they're from leeds they're brothers and they're just they're just incredible so could we see them on your tour maybe they're going to maybe get a yeah they've talked with me before oh so fantastic yeah so and just i know you touched on it at the start but hoping to get back to scotland to play and uh we're hopefully into april next year but uh, o2 academy barlands how you found coming to play in scotland Oh, it's my favourite place ever in the world to come and play. I've got a soul tire tattooed on my wrist. I just love it. They're just mental up here, aren't they? <laughs> oh, here's my other call. <laughs> well, Lucy, I'll let you go. Thanks for taking time to speak Thank to us today. Thank you so much. Take care and, and all the best. Day. All the best of the new album. Bye. Bye. Thank you so, so much for listening to episode 13 of the Talk Tonight podcast with Lucy Spragan. I hope you really enjoyed it. It was such a joy to catch up and chat about what's going on in her life and she was so so busy so it was really appreciative to get that time Lucy as I said her new album is out in February the 26th it's called Choices and some great songs already out if you check it out on her Spotify and Instagram page L Spragan loads more to come from the Talk Tonight podcast recording over the next few weeks to keep you all occupied through lockdown working from home homeschooling you name it And I hope you can join me and keep spreading the word, keep sharing the podcast with your friends and family. Take care, stay well.